let's see if uh, let's see if this will do it. Hey, everybody! Welcome back to the Shop Talk Podcast, brought to you by One Two Four Go. I'm your co-host Chris Sulemay, and sitting across the Zoom today, my great friend, Mister John Palmer. But we are super pumped up. We have somebody that you probably have heard of. I'm sure you already read the descriptor and clicked on this, and you're voraciously ready for me to shut up so you can listen to what Presley has to say. But today we're sitting with Presley Poe. So Presley, welcome, and thanks so much for taking the time. Hi. Yeah, thank you guys for having me. I'm excited. If somebody's listening, and if you haven't heard of Presley, I'm going to just name off a few of your accolades. Number one, you're on the Cosmoprof artistic team, which is really amazing. We didn't even talk about that in the pre-discussion, but what an achievement. Uh, you're the owner of Gold Studios, at Gold Studios Experience on Instagram. You're an international cutting specialist with Hattori Hanzo, and your website is www.posepainters.com. And you are shortly launching a course that I can't wait to hear more about, Vivian McKinder on it was formerly HDTV. Is it now going to be VivianMcKinder.com? I'm not sure if I'm actually clear on that. Ooh, I don't know. That's a really good question. Well, we'll mm -hmm. find out. And either way, the link will be in the descriptor below inside of this, uh, in the show notes. So, mm -hmm. John, rather than listen to me ramble for the rest of the podcast, because I'm so excited and juiced up now, why don't you go ahead and kick <laughs> us out? Presley, again, thank you so much for being here. It's Memorial Day weekend, and you still decided the podcast with us, so thank you very much. One of the things that, that we love starting off our podcast with is how people got into the industry, because everybody wants to know that story. It's something we share. So if we could, let's talk a little bit about why hairdressing? How did this happen to you? What, what was about this industry that drew you in? Tell us this hairdressing journey. I feel like I'm one of the minority people in like life in general that I've just always known what I wanted to do mm -hmm. always so I was four years old about four and I'm from the midwest originally Oklahoma and my Mima, that's what we call our grandmas there mm -hmm. mom papa my Mima would go to the salon and she would get her hair done every week because they would get like the little roller sets and it was a thing and I just remember every time I'd walk in like I love the smell of perms like I was like oh like I'd walk in like <laughs> I was like love it and then when they would like whip the cape on like I just felt like they were like superheroes I thought I want to do that and my Mima was a bibliophile which we don't know what that means it means that you are like addicted to reading so she would get stacks of books like every <laughs> and she would take a nap every day while she would like read a nap and I remember I'd like take a pencil and I'd roll her hair on the pencil um and just be like okay Mima, it's time for your roller set and I just slaving away back there just doing nothing and working real hard and when I was in school like high school I was just like I want to be a hairstylist a makeup artist and a bartender <laughs> and I pretty much did hair. all I never got to bartending. I did cocktailing for a long time, but I've been a hairstylist since I was 17, 18, and I'm 37 now. So it's been two decades, 20, 20 years now. You know, I, always, I always find this great connection between being a hairdresser and being a bartender. I know it's like, well, it's the service industry thing, yeah. you know, it's mm -hmm. like there's something about 
connecting with people and they, you know, they call it libations, I think for a reason. <laughs> I yeah, think they always... feel good. And like one, you're a mixologist using, you know, alcohol and different types of liquids and the other yeah. you're using hydrogen and different types of liquids. And, you know, I think it's all kind of the same thing ish at the end of the day, like same kind of concept. So, yeah, I, I think one of the things that I noticed is, um, you know, my favorite hairdressers to hire were always the ones that had some type of service industry, um, waiters, waiters, bartenders, they were always the best, not only because I think there was that commonality of, you know, you're a mixologist, right? You're going through that process. But I also think, you know, you know how to have a conversation with a complete stranger. Yeah. And yeah. Yeah. I think that's and huge. there's a hustle. Yeah. There's a hustle. Like you don't crack under pressure. Like when you got, you know, uh, four people waiting or 10 people waiting for a drink that, you know, you have to make yourself and you know that there's sort of a timeline you don't crack under pressure. It's the same thing when somebody's waiting up front and you're trying to finish a highlighter or whatever, and you're just able to cool and calm, kind of just work through it. And um, anybody that doesn't have that type of experience, they have to like learn that, you know, that's mm -hmm. like a process when you get behind yeah. the chair. I call that stamina. <laughs> yeah. Both of them work with time management and time management while making other people feel really important and smiling through your own anxiety. No, it is. It is. Yeah, <laughs> it would be a good it would be a good rule. It would be a good rule for sure, because they go on to do, you know, a lot of different careers. A lot mm -hmm. of times it's a starting career for people and some people right. stay in it. But nevertheless, I want to ask a little bit about what you just said, because it was profound. And, you know, we deal with everybody from cosmetology school students on up. Um, throughout and some people have been in the company for 30 years and some people are stepping in day you know obviously day one there's there's always that happening and we talk a lot with newer people enter, entering the industry and even that I'm going to say two to three year person who's making that transition from my skill set has gotten more efficient Mm -hmm. I'm, I'm now starting to ask questions about do, how do I manage my time better? Do I, or do I not rotate more people? Do I, or do I not squeeze my time? And I, I guess I just want you to reflect a little bit more on that time management, the stamina piece. Yeah. You know, uh, um, there's this really beautiful time frame like when people are just out of school the freshies are my favorite because they're so open and absorbent and really nailing down their rhythms uh and i think it just all always goes back to education if you're in a really good salon you're working with someone who's that established they're going to be able to give you the tips and tricks to not cut corners but to be more efficient and i think there's a really big difference in that like big difference um but yeah it's just such a learning curve and a learning process and to be completely honest I think that it takes hairdressers up to 10 years to hone in on that skill and find that rhythm for yourself um at yeah it, it takes a long time and I think we live in what I call a microwave generation where we want everything in two minutes or less but that stamina that I'm talking about is that patience and ability to take your time to learn how to use less time. So it's like this 
interesting kind of duplicitous thing that's happening in you all the time is like, you want to do better, you want to work faster, but you've got to work slow and you got to figure out what you're doing. So really at the end of the day, for me, it's about learning the products that do the work for you, using your client and the implements that you have to do the work for you. Just something I'm really passionate about teaching people behind the chair, whether you're new or a vet, um, to help with that efficiency factor and keep that stamina up. One of the things I want to talk to you about is so you have these freshies that are coming into the building. And I think one of the challenges is for a lot of salon owners, managers, leaders is to help new, the freshies understand that they need to have a little bit of patience, that there's a rhythm that needs to develop, that it's going to take a little bit of time. I love how you use the phrase microwave generation, right? How do you have that conversation? How does, how does that work where you, you, you're giving people the recognition that they deserve but at the same time saying, okay, slow down a little bit. It's going to be okay. Um, you just kind of, kind of let this, you got to let it cook a little. When I was training my assistant, she's been with me now for four years. My little Michelle, she's magic little machine. I took her arm in arm and I said, this is how fast we walk. So I sit, you sit, I stand, you stand, I work, you work. And it was from that moment to just take her under the wing and say, this is the pace at which we work so that there was never a question of how fast do I move or kind of like a passive aggressiveness of me being like, come on, let's go. It was just like, it, she just knew from day one, like, this is how fast we walk. This is how we do things. This, I just taught her from day one. Um, I think it can get a little tricky sometimes if we don't set our expectations mm -hmm. immediately, set the standard of the work immediately and have really candid conversations with people of saying, okay, so today went really great. These are the things that I would alter. These are the things that I'd keep the same, you know, sandwich everything in of like, this is what was great. This is what we can work on. And then continue with that in the following days. You know, one of the things that um, we bring up in conversation I've been having, I've been using this phraseology a lot lately about having the recipe and I'll be more specific. You know, when, when you talk to your Mima or anybody else who who's a, has that family recipe for how you make a, a certain family dinner, how you make a cake, how do you make a whatever. And you ask that person, well, what's the recipe? And they go, I don't have a recipe. I just put a little bit of this in, I put a little of that in and it comes out great. And it does. And I think sometimes as educators, we tend to do that. It's like, oh, you do this and you do that and you do a little bit of this and it comes out great. But in the beginning, they need the recipe, meaning I work, you work. I walk, you walk. I take a break, you take a break. And it's not condescending or mean. No. It's, they don't know. You know, they don't. I, I think sometimes as educators, we, we talk a little bit too far up the spectrum we need to get a little bit closer to give people the recipe and then they can make it their own. Well, I yeah. even think, I even think if you forget the fact that we're educators and you just mm -hmm. go on the level of the salon, this is where a lot of people that take on, you know, new talent go wrong sometimes, mm -hmm. or they don't know how to have that conversation. That sandwiching piece, there's a book called the one minute manager mm -hmm. that teaches the technique that you intuitively just spit out. And mm -hmm. it's, so good to be able to have those candid conversations. My belief is they very much want to know, like 
they want to know what's good and what's not good. And I think a lot of times, you know, you talked about the straightforward piece and I don't know, I don't know why I read this from you automatically, but I think when you're straightforward, you still respect that there's a human being on the other side of it. I, I just get that feeling from you. Absolutely. And, uh, and I think that sandwiching piece kind of makes it okay that mm -hmm. we're having a conversation around uh, something that, you know, I, we want you to do better. That's awesome stuff. At the end of the day, we might not know the recipe for the overall position and all of that, but mm -hmm. I think that it's really important no matter what to move with intention and purpose and to teach them straight out of school that mm -hmm. that's what it's really about. It's like every movement has a purpose. Everything has an intention, whether it be placement, whether it be formula, whether it be however many grams or da, 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 da. Like mm -hmm. it all has to click in and sync together and teaching them so they can see that rhythm and how mm -hmm. it works for you. Couldn't agree more. And I mean, that's beautifully said. I want to talk a little bit about salon life with you because mm -hmm. I know throughout this conversation, we'll get into the education and we'll get into those types of things. But uh, there are a lot of people out there that get into education. Heck, I was one of them where I loved educating so much, I left the salon. That's a thing. I mean, I, I, I understand you're a super active in the salon. I saw a great uh, Instagram story from you today where your manager blocked you the perfect time for maybe a workout day and to do some strippers hair and, and have some champagne. He's like, and, no work for Presley. Absolutely no work. Today is champagne and strippers. I was like, I love you. Perfect. So with that said, I'm guessing prior to you sort of catching on to social and doing all that and educating, you know, you, you built a business and sometimes with students, we'll find that they'll, you know, they'll see somebody on Instagram that's established, right? So I could look at your page and just go, how in the hell am I ever going to get there? Or, and then maybe even compare myself against you and your work and your page, because you, you know what I'm saying? Right. Because I go, it looks so easy. It must be that. Can you talk a little bit just about your salon evolution and maybe some points that have helped you to just create a successful business, whether, whether, whether virtually, like I'm talking about the in-person, what happens in the chair in your own community? So for me, going back to you leaving the salon, and this, this is where it comes back to the salon for me. It's something that I have fully dedicated myself to that I tell people, I'm like, no matter what, no matter what, I will not leave my clients. I am unbelievably and overwhelmingly passionate about education and changing the lives of the people in my chair and the people in the room in any way that I can implement, you know, what I've screwed up and how you make it better, you know? Mm -hmm. yeah. But I think that that grounding point for me is really my clients. Like without them, this is just me personally. I feel yeah. without my clients, how can I go into a salon and A, relate to them and B, be able to give them new information because I'm constantly having to evolve with the trends and with the times. And if I step back and say, okay, I'm just going to focus on education. I would feel personally stagnated that I wasn't growing 
and able to, I always tell people like, I'm going to do the difficult things so that I can teach you how to do them more easily. Mm -hmm. And I know it's like this kind of martyrdom thing, but it's just, I feel a really strong need to do that as a color correction specialist. Sure. And I think it becomes a really big part of how I communicate with my clients. So I'm not just an educator online or in a classroom. I educate my clients. Like I walk them through what I'm doing. Like I would any class So I feel like there's a sense of empowerment when they leave that they truly feel like they were a part of the process and understand better why we're doing that. Or sometimes why we can't do what they're asking me to do, you know? So I think it really makes my personal business model more successful because my clients feel like they're integrated and a part of that space, but also not just the uh, service that they're off that I'm offering in the salon. My entire salon has been community-based. So every part of it has actually included my clients. So like sourcing things, my electrician was my client's husband. My manager was my client for five years. My coworker was my assistant for four years. My team that's been built is because of one of my client's husbands. And so that team has been a build on for that. My woodworking contractor is my manager's husband. It all goes back to that community base. Like you are a part of this and I'm never leaving you <laughs> no matter how the world perceives me, you know, like without them, I'm nothing, you know, that's how I feel. I love that. A salon really can be, if, if you're not, you're missing a part of, I think what a salon is, a salon can be a hub in the community. I mean, it, it can be a place and become a place where people, Howard Schultz kind of with the Starbucks thing, where he recognized in the, you know, in the United States after spending time in European coffee shops that people didn't have another place to go where they felt a part of or comfortable other than working home. And sometimes they don't feel comfortable at home. Right. And so, you know, he wanted to give people a place where they could just go and sit and nobody was going to chase them out, whether they spent $2 or, or, you know, bought a $65 Frappuccino or whatever with all the right. fixings. And a salon can totally be that where somebody walks in and remembers that they're a beautiful, remembers that they're a person, remembers that they're valued and we can help them do that. And so I love all that. How does that, like, when we're talking with, heck, it's not even students, it's all levels really about consultations and especially nowadays with the multiple service type of an environment that we have, right? I mean, the hair industry has changed so dramatically in the last right. 10 years, right? And I say 10, but really 2000 and yeah, I guess six was the first time, you know, I remember teasing hair and painting it on. So like, you know, this evolution now to where there's so much service happening and the tickets can get so high, not even because you're overcharging, but because you have $85 of product on the head. So consultation is really the biggest part of an appointment. And I think the thing to remember for these young babes and even people who've been in the industry for a long time, and we're all guilty of emotionally discounting, it's mm -hmm. real life. How do you put a price on art? It's very mm -hmm. difficult. But a consultation is really the moment where you solidify with that client, that person, how you demand to be treated 
and how you are going to reciprocate that treatment with them. Mm -hmm. You set the expectation in that moment. And for me, that moment is to say, we are a team. And if I feel like that client isn't going to work with me, then they're working against me and that's not going to be a fit. So the consultation is really everything to get your point of communication clear to where you can both start working with intention and purpose and letting that client know, like, I'm only a small part of this equation. Mm -hmm. Like what you do at home is a direct continuum of what we do in the salon. Mm -hmm. So like without you, I can't do my job. So it's really about placing some of that responsibility back on the client because as hairdressers and in service industry in general, we take on the brunt of all that, the emotion of our client, the expectation of our client, the expectation of the service, and it, the list just keeps going on. The physical uh, aspect of doing all the bending, working and grinding. And I just don't work like that. I don't mm -hmm. work like that at all. I'm like, hey, dude, like I can't break because I'm trying to hold you up. Like you have to work with me here. Mm -hmm. So a consultation for me is really everything. I like to think of hairdressing and a consultation like a first date. I'm like, listen, we're dating. Like this is a relationship. Okay, <laughs> This like, we got some coffee. We're filling each other out. Like, how do we feel? Because mm -hmm. really, if you think about it, there's a lot of similarities. Are we on the same path? Do we have the same goals in mind? Mm -hmm. Are, you know, like, do we respect each other's time? Do we want to spend time with each other? Do I want to, you know, go on a cross country trip with you that takes us 10 hours in a car? Do you want to spend that kind of time together? So for me, I really just look at that of like, how would I respect someone that I'm going to date essentially like to spend time with lots and lots of time and invest money in. Rusty, I'm going to ask you a silly question, but I'm going to play with the date analogy for just a minute if I can. I think one of the challenges, especially with their younger staff, is we have we have some staff that um, stick with dates that they should have let go a long time ago, and we have other staff members who date twice a day, right? Because they can't hang on to the same boyfriend or girlfriend for longer than a minute, right? Where is that? You know, how do you how do you show your freshies that balance between? Yes, you've got to make sure you're a good fit, right? Because that's important. Yes, this is a mutual relationship. And we're also in the customer service business and you have to take care of your customer. Can so, I, fo can I yeah, follow please. on that and, and sort of ask, are there some specific, I don't want to say question, you know, I know we, we, we a lot of, but are there some specific kind of like, this is an agreement that we must have in order to move forward or, mm -hmm. or this might even make or break, this question might even make or break whether we want to move forward or not. So, okay. So this is a two part. Um, first question, I have one word, boundaries. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It is so important. I ask people, hairdressers sometimes go, oh my gosh, you know, so-and-so is coming in. They're taking all my time. They're always late. They're blah, blah, blah. They talk to me like this. They don't treat me well. And I go, would you let your partner do that to you? And they're like, oh my God, no. If my boyfriend ever talked to me like that, I'd be like, <laughs> you let anyone else. I tell people like, you are your own CEO behind that chair. I don't care if you've been out of school for a day or if you've been behind a chair for 30 years. 
self-respect and boundaries are going to go so far. And here's the thing. When you have strong boundaries and you set them of like, I refuse to let this into my life, but I also have the boundary that I refuse to let me impart that onto you. There's a lot of respect in that. And it takes a lot of confidence in yourself to say, Hey, I respect you. You respect me because the moment that we don't, we're no longer a working team. And so to the second part of that, what you just asked, I do pre-screening. So that was a really big deal for me. My clients put in a consultation application before I even see them. So I can put, I have a whole thing put together. It's called Jot Form. Mm -hmm. And it's a consultation page that I just send them the link when they uh, schedule a consultation. I look over that weeks before the consultation. And if I can see irregularities in like, let's say, cause they upload photos. So like, let's say they want this color that's extremely high maintenance. But then the question underneath says, how many times a year are you wanting to come in? Like how comfortable are you coming in two to three times a year, four to six times a year, however long. And they're like two times a year. And I'm like, these don't add up. So then we have a conversation about that before I even take them. Um, and setting that boundary of like, I don't want to make your black hair white. I don't. So if they come to me and they're like, I have jet black hair and I want to be white and I want to come in two times a year, I'm not your hairstylist. And that's okay. Like, but you know what? I have a whole list of people that I support in our community that say, you know what? I don't think I'm your guy but I got a whole list of people for you to check out. And those stylists are eternally grateful for that support. You know, supporting uh, each other in that way and letting our clients know like, because I care, I'm saying no. Can you send me your form? I want to see if I pass. <laughs> like, it's not very often that I have someone that actually doesn't pass, but you know, I learned that trick from Whitney Vermeer actually. She is a, a Naha winning barber. And she was like, my clients have to apply to be with me. And sure. she went really intense. Like she did like, she's like, I want to know your Uber driver score. And I was like, what? <laughs> I was like, that's boss. Like yeah. that's up. Like you want to be in my chair? Like you got to do it. So I don't necessarily go that far, but it is definitely mm. like a, I have things in my chair that I don't want to do anymore i'm like the freshies can do that they've got all the energy <laughs> totally and and i want to go back to you talking earlier about the 10-year piece and going look it takes a long time to develop i'm i'm guessing you're not suggesting that for somebody that's new and building or you know i mean the boundaries piece but but what like when does this kick in when when do you start to work like that when did you start to work like that immediately I think that there has been this conditioning for hairstylists that they say, you know what, when you're new, you take everything that comes to you. No, why? Like you from the get go are curating your clientele and your clientele, in my opinion, is a direct representation of you. We are a business entity. And I think people forget that like Starbucks, is one man's vision of what a business should be. And everything within that entity reflects that person. So we are the person, the entity that our clients are, are our database, right? And they 
reflect who we are, what we stand for. So I think it's really important to set those boundaries pretty immediately because that's how we get into this stylist of 30 years, have clients that they should have broken up with 30, 29 years ago. Kind of, it's like we condition ourselves to say, well, I took them back then and they've just been my client forever. People talk about these like succubus clients. And I, first of all, you know, that sucks. And second, I'm like, I don't have any of those because we break up Mm -hmm. (laughs) self-respect and you don't get to come into my salon or my chair and tell me how to do things. And it sounds rude, but it's not, it's just a, I want to enjoy my time with whoever I'm dating. Mm -hmm. Right. Right. Like us to be on the same level. And like, I tell my clients straight up, they'll be like, Oh, so-and-so. And I'm like, no, honey, you're handpicked. Like, you are here because I want you to be not because you want to be like, but I think that you're magical and I chose you Mm -hmm. and like, Oh, I'm like, yeah, like, I love you. Like Mm -hmm. I want family in my chair, you know, and it's okay that not everyone's your family. Mm -hmm. Um, I want to get back to the community piece because you said that, you know, you, you connected community and education together. Um, community is really important for you. Everybody that um, you work with or provides a service for you or you provide a service for them, they're all interconnected one way mm-hmm. or another. Um, why that? I mean, because here's the thing. You could probably find a carpenter or a plumber or whatever for maybe a little bit less than whoever you pay to do what your, your work is now. There's something to be said about that disconnect, meaning if your woodworker does something that you don't like, his wife's going to be mad at you because she works for you, you know, but you've made that a choice. You've made that a essential part of your business. Um, and I think we talked before this call, are you talking about community in the salon and for hairdressers or you're talking about community um, overall? I am talking about both community, uh, community yeah. in the salon and community in Portland and in general. Um what we were talking about earlier of like having clients come in and feeling safe, like one word came to mind Mm -hmm. and that was refuge. Mm -hmm. Like I want a space that is a refuge for people. Like in my salon, I'm actually having a mural painted in the back and it's Mm going to say pretentious hair, not pretentious service. Awesome. And I just feel like that envelops how I view. I'm like, I want you to look expensive, feel expensive. I want you to feel special, but no one here is going to treat you any different than we would the kindness of a stranger. Right. Mm -hmm. But I think it could sound a little scary to go, Oh my gosh. So you're using the carpenter that was your manager, who is your client. But Mm -hmm. remember if we curate our clients to be in like, um, like, like principles of ourselves, my manager is more OCD than me and her (laughs) husband is more OCD than her. So the likelihood of me not liking what he does is going to work. Yeah. It's not going to work. This man freaking freaks out over like 0.33 millimeters on a shelf. I'm like, thanks Jameson. (laughs) You know, I, I chose those people and selected those people because they have very high standards for how, Lily, my manager had extremely high standards for how she would want her hair. Mm-hmm. And I was able to deliver. And therefore we work, you know, in 
synchronicity together. So for me, it just makes sense. And that's why I say curate it from the base of mm -hmm. like those people together. And as you grow and mm -hmm. as our expand with education and, you know, probably some therapy and some time under our belt, mm -hmm. then your client database will start expanding too. And you'll be able to see like mm -hmm. how you've evolved through the people that you're working with. Mm -hmm. And I think that's really magical. Um, in the space at Gold Studios, I've always said that I don't want a salon. Just It just wasn't my thing. I did not want a traditional salon. So mm -hmm. I opened a studio, not because I wanted a salon, but because I wanted all my bells and whistles. And I knew that no one else was responsible for giving me those bells and whistles. Mm -hmm. So it's not if you want something done right, do it yourself. But it is if you want something done very specifically to your needs and your wants, do it mm -hmm. for yourself because it's no mm -hmm. one else's responsibility. So I did that. And mm -hmm. the space that we have has been dedicated to like education. I'm mm -hmm. working with makeup artists. I'm working with drag queens. I'm working with like local talent. I'm working with so many different people that have nothing to do with hair. And it's mm -hmm. just been such a cool thing so far. I'm really excited about some of the classes that I have coming up, but my major goal is to dedicate the gold studios downstairs to mm -hmm. natural texture. So natural texture and curly hair support, because unfortunately we do not have a lot of that in our community and mm -hmm. I want it to be a refuge space. So my goal is to grow and bust at the seams in mm -hmm. gold studios downstairs and open and upstairs for, uh, you know, like your balayage, your colors and, you know, stuff like that but I want mm -hmm. to have a refuge place um for people with natural texture to feel supported and safe because it's just very difficult to find curly hair specialists here mm -hmm. yeah. it's very difficult to find curly hair specialists everywhere really and I think mm -hmm. people I'm now starting to have conversations with more and more people that are addressing that um we've got friends um where is she at Franklin Tennessee Jewel Salon who has really like gone through the hard work of that. And we just had a conversation the other day on the phone. We're actually going to interview her because she, she went through the work. It was, it was a transition and we've interviewed people, you know um, I'll say of, you know, of every ethnicity where they've said, listen, we're all trying to integrate where, you know, that, that sort of none of us has done a great job yet. And it's, and we might be one of the few industries, maybe the only industry perhaps mm -hmm. that we, we haven't been able to, to integrate yet. Stefan Thompson was talking about that when we interviewed him and he just said, you know, try as we might, we've done our, you know, we've tried, we've tried as hard as we could. Mm -hmm. um, and we just haven't, you know, we haven't gotten there yet. So I think it's, I think it's awesome. I can't wait to sort of see that develop. What's your, what is Gold Studios like now in, in um, like present moment? It's si size of your team. And um, are you going to grow? It sounds like you're going to grow your team now because you're, yeah. you're ar architecting that. So what's. I don't have any stylists at the moment other than my Michelle, who I think is coming back to me as an assist. <laughs> Cause I just like, you're perfect. Just come back and I'll pay you more money. Um, <laughs> I'm like, as we're building her clientele in the salon. Uh, but my team is, it's, 
been really cool. Like I've had this, like, you know, that feeling when like, you know, something's about to happen, but you don't know mm-hmm. what it is and yeah. you are manifesting it. And I've been talking to Michelle now for years. I'm like, I want my team. But again, I think for me, like having a space and I specifically called it a studio because I didn't necessarily see myself having a team of hairdressers. Mm-hmm. I want a team of people who are eclectic and that we can just like mob in and just mm-hmm. like do it all. And mm-hmm. that's what's been happening is like just working with people, networking. I'm working with like local, like mixologists. We're going to mm-hmm. do classes together. I'm working with local drag talent. I'm working with local chefs because I want to feed people mm-hmm. in the salon. I'm working with local makeup artists. I've had, I've been working with local photographers and it's just been really cool. Like I have no idea where it's going to go, but mm-hmm. the momentum has been really great. That's awesome. I want to change topics a little bit just because we're, we're crushing through time here. And I, I want to make sure that we get a couple of important things covered. You just got uh, selected, hand selected. I mean, the way you hand select your clients, you got hand selected by possibly my favorite icon in the industry, Vivian McKinder, to work with her um, to create a project, an educational project on her platform. Um, I, you were sharing with John and I that you guys met when you were on a show. And so share, share, share with us some of that and tell us a little bit about what, what to expect well, you know, when you open up your email and you see that Vivian McKinder has mm. messed, first of all, it's like, you know, I, I don't know. It was kind of like, what? Mm. And then you open it and it's like, okay, so Vivian McKinder wants me to teach her. Right. No pressure. <laughs> like, I'm going to sit on this for a couple of days because I don't know what I'm actually doing with my hands right now. Mm-hmm. Right now. Yeah. Um, but you know what? I think that's the beautiful and magical thing about Vivian is that she is where she is and it's we could look at her and just be like oh my god you're unattainable you're untouchable you're an icon but you don't get there without continuing your education Mm -hmm. and it was just such a really cool experience to be able to like share some of my knowledge with her and in this class we talk a lot about the process of incorporating the client Mm -hmm. to do work for you incorporating your product knowledge to do the work for you and having a really um, like really just knowing your product, knowing the shapes that you're working with, understand Mm -hmm. everything from the inside out because the actual application looks very advanced when it's finished. It looks just like, how the heck did you do that? Mm-hmm. But in the actual application, it's like, la, 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 la. Like anyone could do it. I swear to you, anyone mm-hmm. could do it. And, but it's the reasoning behind it all that makes it look like that. And it was just really cool to be able to do that with Vivian. Is, it's a video course, right? And so you can go it, online, you can, you can, and is it, is it one video? Is it a, is it a few, like what, what's it, what's it look like? Well, so, okay. And then we're like, then I thought we were going to do the one video and I was like, all right. And then Vivian messaged me again. So I'm like, what's happening with my life? And she's like, you know what? I loved it so much. And she said there was so much content that she couldn't actually choose. 
So she made like a series out of mm-hmm. it. So I believe that there's three or four episodes uh, that you can watch, you know, in a row if you want to, or on mm-hmm. their own if you want to, that are just like nuggets of info. So that was pretty cool. I was like, oh my God, okay. <laughs> like, she liked it. <laughs> Congratulations. I was, I'm like dead serious. I was like, oh my God. She was like, you know what? I couldn't pick and I couldn't, she's like, I felt like when I was editing it that I couldn't cut certain things out because it was just really good information. She was like, so I made it into a series. I'm like, <laughs> what is happening to me right now? Yeah, that's awesome. What's this year been like for you educating, knowing that we, I mean, you know, virtual was coming anyway, but, but it shifted obviously. And, you know, what's this year been like for you education wise? You know, I think sometimes the universe just backhands you across the face (laughs) and you're going to do the things that you hate doing because you simply freaking have to, and you're just forced to grow outside of your comfort zone. And I am such a, like, I like tangible, palpable, like I'm a hairdresser. We feel things Mm -hmm. like aesthetically and physically. So Online was not something I was ever really going to do. I was probably just going to grind myself on the road to death. And then the pandemic happened. But I think I did 75 online classes or something like wow. that. Yeah. And, you know, it, it kept me sane. It kept me feeling like I had purpose and that I was still able to help people and mm-hmm. make an impact in a positive way. Um, it also kept me from drinking champagne all day. So that's, <laughs> um, but yeah, it did it like, it gave me a purpose and it also opened me up to my website, which now I'm starting to do more online education because of all the feedback I got back from people saying like, your videos helped me through the pandemic. And I was like, really? And they were like, I mm. like all of that kind of feedback was just like, okay. So I am reaching people. It is a palpable thing. It's just not something I can like physically touch, but to know that people were actually like moved by it and inspired by it was inspiring for me to continue doing that. So Mm -hmm. I'll be more uh, online education monthly. And uh, for me, I think I've been back on the road now for a couple months since the pandemic. Um, And that's been really nice to just get back in a salon and watch the energy and a room change and work with. I know you're a Hattori Hanzo cutting specialist as well. So are you always going it? Like how often are you actually doing cutting education versus color? And what are some of the most common things that when you're teaching, you're like, you're wanting to get across in my classes, whether it be hair color, hair cutting, um, I have a couple things. My number one, when you asked me that my brain just went to, Stop working so hard, hairdressers. That's my biggest thing. In my classroom, I teach people how to use all of the implements, including their client, to do 90% of the work. And you're responsible for this or this. That's it. And one of the biggest things, whether I'm teaching hair cutting or hair color, is to blur the lines of what we perceive behind the chair. Meaning, for me, I don't feel that the world of hair cutting and hair color are so different. I believe that they're intermeshed. And the Mm -hmm. way that I express that to people, as I say, hair color is the visual representation of shape, 
Whereas hair cutting is the conceptualization of shape. And the two have to work together to create this like magic finish, right? So when mm -hmm. we do hair color, people lose the haircut that goes with it. But even in hair cutting, we can change the perception of that hair color. So I just teach people, I'm like, it's all kind of the interwoven working process together, mm -hmm. you know, that we can do so much less work if we work more efficiently. And I think that, I think you're right. I think one of the things we do is um, we make things more complicated, more difficult than they really need to be because we, oh think, that's, we think that's part of the art, right? This, this is too easy. It's probably not going to come out great when the exact opposite is true. If you can make it easier, it'll probably look three times as bad, three times better. And pe that's the emotional discounting part. Mm -hmm. yeah. But here's the thing. I've thought a lot about what talent is like, what is talent, mm -hmm. right? I'm like, I believe that talent is the ability to do something easily that comes more difficult for others. Mm -hmm. And I don't think that you have to suffer in order to make more money mm -hmm. behind hair. But we have this affiliation that mm -hmm. if it was too easy, we shouldn't charge that. And I'm trying to tell people like, yo, you did all this education, you invested in all these tools and all mm -hmm. this color and all this stuff to do the work for you, to make your job easier, and yet you're fighting it. So for me, if I give you a 20 minute haircut or you know a 10 minute base color, right. whatever, you pay me more because I took less time. I gave you time back right. to your, into your life, into your family, into your dreams. Like, because I took the time to learn about all this stuff, mm -hmm. did it like that. Sometimes it works against us too, doesn't it? Because when, when we have that talent and we've had 10 years of practice and we make it look easy, the customer looks at us and goes, well, that took you, as you said, no time or you made it look so easy. It probably wasn't that good. I don't have to pay you that much. And, and right. we've been letting them underpay us for the last 10 years. Right. And we've been letting them not show up on time for the last 10 years. Mm -hmm. And we've, you know, had three price increases, but they weren't a part of those price increases throughout <laughs> right. those 10 years, right? So how with this, like the things we've talked about, I'm like straight out of school, curating mm. clientele, one cuts all that away immediately. Mm. You have to experience it. You watch everyone around you experience it, right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Then if you educate your client, then they feel empowered and they feel like they're a part of the process that you didn't just slap something on their hair and rinse it off in 10 minutes. They understand that you used a, like a micro emulsion system that uses this perm processing, like technology to infuse mm -hmm. hair and do 100% gray coverage in less than 10 minutes. You didn't just put something on there and wash it off. Mm -hmm. So that educating your clients, setting them up, empowering them through letting them know that like, they might not know what the hell you just said. <laughs> you, feel like you know what you're talking yeah. about. They'll respect right. you because of that. So it's that whole rhythm of like, you apply to be in my chair. We agree to work together. I tell you what I'm doing to the molecular level before mm -hmm. I'm like drop like it's hot behind the chair, you know? Mm -hmm. And then we can have a good time, but you set them up with that. You will respect me. I know what I'm doing. And you're going to pay me what I'm worth because I've invested all this so I can take less time for you mm -hmm. and give you more at the same time. Mm -hmm.
Presley, one of the things you've, you've said a couple of times is you've used the word rhythm more than once throughout this conversation. Um, where did that discovery come from? How did, how did you discover that, you know, getting into this rhythm, whether I was new or whether I'm at now? Folding foils. Yeah. I used to be the stylist that would do like, you know, my nine section whenever, and I would be doing this crazy long thing and I would take each foil and I'd pull it down and I'd fold it, fold it, fold it, tap, 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 fold it, fold it, tap, tap, tap. And it was mm-hmm. this rhythm that I would get into. And here's the deal. I realized all I was doing was rolling past a stop sign that I was getting <laughs> fast because here's the deal. Lightner doesn't care if you fold a foil. It doesn't. Mm-hmm. So I was like, holy, I'm in a freaking, I'm in a marathon right now. Mm-hmm. Like every second that I spin, fold, fold, tap, tap, fold, fold, tap, tap, fold, fold. And I felt like I was moving really fast and doing something. No, mm-hmm. I was working real hard and getting nowhere real fast. So I was mm-hmm. like, fold, flip, fold, flip, fold, flip, and taking those seconds off and finding like, oh, so I always tell people like, find a new OCD, mm-hmm. like, love it. you know what I mean? Find the OCD that helps your rhythm and your cadence to move forward with that intention and that purpose of like, Lightner doesn't care if I fold the foil, but what it does care about is how thick my sections are. It cares about like, how thick the application of the lightener within that foil is, if it's incubated, not incubated, if it's, you know, all those other things, mm-hmm. yeah. not me, my foil. So it was yeah. like, oh, so finding my, that rhythm in hairdress mm-hmm. was really the moment that I stopped and said, I timed myself. I said, okay, I'm going to time myself on folding this foil. And then I timed myself on folding it the other way. And I was like, if I'm doing 200 foils on this person's head, I'm doing all this. I'm literally taking 35 more minutes to do this. And it doesn't matter Mm -hmm. if I do it that way, I can fit in another haircut. That's efficiency. Mm -hmm. Right. Right. As well as not, maybe not over process, um, Mm -hmm. you know, what's, what's happening on the head. It is really interesting to watch. And there are, Mm -hmm. you know, we have some, I mean, some of the girls that work inside a salon 124 group are just, they're, they're, they're incredible. And some of them take their time and mm-hmm. you know what? It makes them feel really good. And others mm-hmm. of them do, you know, a full head of highlights in 18 minutes. And I don't have an argument for either of them, but what I will say is I'm more the 18 minute type yeah. <laughs> or, or whatever your time is or whatever right. your time is, but because there's something happening inside of the foil. And I, I love that you're maybe the first person that I've ever heard of that has kind of mentioned that like, mm-hmm. You know, the color doesn't care as long as it's clean and in the place you wanted it, right? The color mm-hmm. doesn't care. Right. It doesn't. Regardless if you're a hairdresser that takes five hours to do a highlight or 18 minutes to do a highlight, it doesn't matter. Either way, your time is valuable. So if you have tools to be efficient in that way, then get it, you know? Like mm-hmm. my clients, they they just want some really intense... <laughs> it gets intense in there sometimes, but also always trying to figure out ways that I can make things easier with Mm -hmm. place and not work so hard and charge them so much. Well, I also love that you said that as far as the, I, I loved your, I, you know, the idea idea around talent, I'd be, I'd be surprised if we didn't open up a a Webster's dictionary and find that it's word for word, the definition that you created, because that to me was, and there are times where we, you know, you'll hear people say, well, 
you know, I, that's so easy for me to do that. Heck, I'm one of them. I, you know, I mean, hair, hair got, you know, became really easy, you know, and, yeah. and um, I would find myself in my mind discounting myself because, mm -hmm. because it was so easy. And then I would think, well, God, for somebody else, I mean, I love what you said for somebody else, that's actually really hard. You know, it's funny because when you talk about rhythm and you talk about talent, I look at those two things kind of working together. I, I've always noticed that. Uh, the first time I saw talent and rhythm work together, and it was like an aha moment was when I did a renovation at my salon. It was my second renovation. And I had this guy come in and put a suspended ceiling in. And to see him on a platform with a laser and a drill and wires and be able to hang something that was perfectly straight, because I've got that OCD thing, right? I'm looking at that suspended ceiling go, that thing better be perfectly level and straight. And I remember standing there watching him for 20 minutes in awe. A guy's hanging a suspended ceiling, and yet he made it look, uh, this is going to sound silly, he made it look elegant because yeah. his rhythm and his talent, when you can make a suspended ceiling look elegant, that's talent, that's rhythm. Mm -hmm. And, you know, we have that as hairdressers, but we're just so busy being in it, we don't see it ourselves, right? Yeah. That's something that I speak to a lot when I'm talking to people about like your body posture and mm -hmm. how we work in the chair and working efficiently and calmly mm -hmm. and cleanly. Like it changes how people perceive what you're doing. And we get really focused on the person that's in our chair, but what about the people who are watching you, right? Like how do you want your staff members to perceive what you're doing? Like, right. I, you know, like you want to be, respected and like you know feel like you know like you know what you're doing and not be questioned because that's a thing you know or like if people are watching you it's like you've got someone in your chair and you've got a waiting room full of people half of those people might have a hairdresser in there but what about mm -hmm. their mom sisters or cousins or brothers mm -hmm. and they're watching you like who's that person and they go you know what oh my god my sister wants that hair yeah when I first became a hairdresser, one of the things I did is I visited this salon a couple of towns over and they had a reputation of, you know, technical excellence. And so mm -hmm. I asked if I could hang out for a day and I did. And I spent some time with one of the colorists there and, and he was amazing. But to your point of what are the people around you see? And I saw that he didn't get a drop of color on him, not a drop. And he was all dressed in black. Right. And I said to him afterwards, I said, how do you not get color all over you? And he just looked at me with this very serious deadpan look. I do not get color on me. And that was it. And that was it. I just that was it. don't. And I always wanted to be that person who never got color on him. But it was the visual. It was what people saw. It was how cleanly he worked. It's what the customer saw. Yeah. It, that whole vision of excellence wasn't just a technical aspect. It was. It was the the envelope that surrounded it as well. The presentation. Yeah. Yeah. It's yeah. what I love about self-leadership. You know, nobody can, somebody can teach you that, but nobody can force you to do that day in, day out. That has mm -hmm. to come from within, you know, mm -hmm. that has to come from your values and that sort of thing. Presley, I just want to say, you just went above and beyond all expectations. I don't know of the fact that you have knowledge because that part I knew, but I just, love your energy is literally coming through my screen and you you you've you've 
you've upped my energy throughout this conversation and really inspired me. There are some things that you said that have, have got my wheels turning. And so thank you for that. You know, a bunch of things, you know, Presley, thanks again for taking time today. I like revisiting the topic of rhythm. You know, I, I just think that that is such an important part of not just our career, but it's a, it's an important part of life, right? There's a rhythm to it and you're either aligned with it or sometimes we're not. And you've got to kind of find that way to reconnect to it. Um, presentation is everything, right? And in a visual um, artistic industry, having that presentation is really important, whether it's the work we do, whether it's ourselves, you know, Presley, you said that you wanted to have your salon a certain way, you know, people make opinions based on presentation. I think sometimes we forget it. Um, and the last thing, and probably the most important, and I think this is something we need to spend more time with because we work so closely with people's boundaries. You know, I love that, Presley, that, you know, you made that a point. Um, you know, we've got to set boundaries. And it's not about being a snob or about being playing hard to get. It's about adding value to your life. It's about adding value to the life of the person you're working with. Um, I love boundaries. We need to talk about that more often in the future. Yeah. Yeah, that's awesome. If you're not following Presley yet, you should be. So you're you're at Presley Poe on Instagram. Your salon is at Gold Studios Experience as well on Instagram. And you have a website, posepainters.com. Presley, it's been an absolute inspiring joy to spend time with you as we walk away from this conversation. Is there anything you feel like we're leaving on the table? Some words you want to leave our listeners with? In the beginning, we talked about, and I can't remember if this is warm up or anything, but... Mm -hmm how people could see pages like mine and compare themselves to that and think, how could I reach that? How mm -hmm. could I? And I just always want to impart onto people, Instagram and social media is not the world. It is the world that we have chosen to create and follow for ourselves. And I ask people to choose to be inspired by that world that you've chosen and not to compare yourself. To that world that you've chosen because I know that specifically for me it is my ultimate goal that not only you reach what I do but you surpass what I do so just always choosing inspiration uh, instead of like self-judgment every time we have one of these conversations I walk away with a little bit more than I knew before I came in and I love that about these podcasts yeah it's amazing uh, we also walk away with a lot of gratitude to our listeners. You know, we, we, we're watching those listens go up there. I, we, we hate to ask, but we know there's a few things we need to ask for. I don't hate asking. <laughs> Not even a little bit. Hey, for those of you who haven't heard me ask before, five-star reviews. You got the phone in your hand. It's down by your lap. I don't care where it is, but it's not that far away from you. Five-star reviews. You know you want to do it. You know you love this podcast. Share it with the world because every time you create a five-star review, an angel gets his wings. <laughs> Did you know that? Yeah. And while that angel is getting his wings, it helps us move up. Um, you know, it helps us get more noticed in the podcast world, helps share the message. And if you're really being served by this, which we hope you are, um, you know, we'd love for you to share that with some other salon owners. The other thing we're going to ask you to do is to follow us on Instagram at 124.go as well as Facebook. We're going to get more active on our Facebook page. And so if you're a Facebooker, then uh, follow us on Facebook at 124.go. And um, if you're a grammar, please tag us in your stories and we'll do the same 
uh, an hour. So thanks again for listening, everybody. We will see you on the next episode. Bye.